You're listening to Building the Game with Rob and Jason. It's Building the Game with Jason and Rob. For tabletop game design, you really can't go wrong. Building the Game, yeah, Building the Game. Hello, and welcome to Building the Game Documentary Podcast. Today it's Monday, April 30th, 2018. It's episode 309. Should I just sing everything today? Yeah, that sounds great. You do that. I won't. It'll be fun. Okay. Um, maybe not. Um, I'm Rob. That's Jason. Hi. We are recording uh, on a lunch break. Uh, our schedules have gotten messy again. That yeah, happens. They have. So. Sorry about that, folks. Um, we just got back from a trip to Orlando, Florida. Sunny Orlando, Florida. It was actually kind of rainy about half the time, but <clears throat> yeah. So Not that it mattered. We were indoors right, we most were of the time. We were in a hotel and convention center for basically four days straight. Yeah. Luckily, any time I went out, it was actually nice. So I just didn't go out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we just both got back from a business trip. Um so our recording schedule is kind of a mess. We should be back in the studio next week? Question mark? That's the hope. That is the hope. So that we're okay. back on track to two more episodes next week. Back in El Studio. El Studio? Yeah. Is that... Is that... No. I'm no? Sure, that is sure it's not. I was correct with the L, because it would be masculine, because it ends with an O. I think that's how it always But does works. it end yeah. with an O? Studio does. In Spanish? I have no idea. I don't know how to say studio in Spanish. I don't either. So maybe it's probably just studio. It's probably not. I don't know. So I was saying that I know the masculine and feminine with the ending with an O or an A. That you're right about. I'm pretty sure. Some words are like la computadora is yeah you know computer right. as you might have guessed yeah. So some of them are confusing though. Like is it libreria? That's bookstore, not library. I don't know. Oh, you don't know anything about Spanish. I took four years of Spanish. Ask me anything about about that language. Wow. Can't answer that question. No. I took three years, and I remember enough to where, like, if you, like, dropped me in Mexico, uh-huh. not in Spain, because I don't know anything about Spain Spanish. There are some differences. But, like, uh, I, I, could, I could read signs, probably. Uh-huh. You know, I know enough to where, like, if you put me on the spot to have to speak it, I'll be terrible. But if, if somebody were to speak it to me at a slow pace, I could pick mm-hmm. up on stuff. So I, I know enough, I retained enough to probably be able to read some signs and understand right. what's going on. Uh, I, I know numbers just fine, but I couldn't even hope to say anything and be yeah. understood. Right. Yeah, I mean, I could say the right words, but they wouldn't be grammatically correct. They wouldn't be conjugated way, properly. And, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I mass props to anyone who speaks more than one language, like, mm-hmm. well, because, man, that's hard. Sometimes yeah. I struggle with the English language, so as do many of us Americans in general. Uh-huh. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, so we are we are an embarrassment, pretty much pretty for much. multiple reasons to the world. We are yeah. an embarrassment, but yeah, uh, yeah. So that's cool. I like I like that. Yeah, I uh, I'm I'm done with curling for the for the year. Yeah, well for the season, excuse me. It'll start up again in the fall. Did you guys have like a miracle season and take first place? Uh, nope. We uh, we played three games. Yeah. Uh, we got zero points in the first game. Ouch. We scored three points in the second game. So that's a big improvement. It's three hundred percent improvement. Yeah. Uh, and in the third game, we scored two points. Okay, but still, it's only only a thirty three percent decline. Yeah, but in, still, 
way better than that first game. Yeah, still still 200% better than our first game. Yeah. Now, um, in, in all three cases, I don't know what the winners scored because in all three cases, they just stopped counting after they passed about 10 because it was clear that we were not going to catch up. Oh, 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 wow. So it wasn't like it was a close game. Oh, no. <laughs> I see. No, it was far from close. Far from close. I watched some curling recently, uh-huh. and um, I had never paid enough attention to realize that it is a ton like shuffleboard, as in to say you've got a target. I mean, I know it's different because it's like a circular target, but yeah. you're, the bashing and stuff is like shuffleboard, where you're kind of kick points off. That, that is as close as it gets to shuffleboard, and there's so much more strategy involved. Oh, yeah. I could tell, but like, yeah. man, watching the... It was actually having listened to someone talk about it who'd done it. Yeah. Watching them play was really neat. Like uh-huh. those guys are amazing. Yeah, know? the the skill involved in in giving giving the stone the right amount of momentum and right. the right turn, right uh, at the right angle, and then for the for the sweepers to to uh, be able to sweep effectively because anybody can can rub a thing on the ice in front right. of the stone, but to be able to give it the pressure. And and even even where in the path you sweep can change the direction right. of travel, which makes a huge difference. Uh, yeah, the 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 physics and the strategy involved are just right. kind of mind boggling. It's and really I, interesting. Having w- heard you guys, having heard you talk about it, I, one thing I thought was kind of silly was that you have a spotter at the end telling you what to do. But now I get it mm-hmm. because it's so complex with all the different um, right. what are they the stones there stones yeah um, that you know it's not like you're just trying I thought you were just trying to hit a target which I was like that's so easy like once you get good at that like that would right if that was the whole job sure once you got good at that hitting the center of the target for the Olympians would be really easy yeah now seeing where you're knocking things out and stuff that it's that you only score at the end of the round right yeah well like shuffleboard yeah, right. right so yeah so no and, and there's you know, putting guards out early to get in the way and yep. then can you slide your, your scoring stones in behind the guards to protect them. Right, because obviously, um, unlike shuffleboard, because of the cleaners, you have the ability to curve the trajectory. Well, the, the stone the stone will curve on its own. Will curl. They call it curling. Oh, the stone that makes will sense. curl yeah. on its own based on this what kind of spin you give it, uh, and and depending on the condition and the quality of the ice and, and the speed at which the stone is moving, and so on and so forth. But what the what the sweepers can do is they can extend. They can either uh, increase a curl or decrease a curl, or if you're really, really aggressive, you could even change the direction of curl. If you if you're really good, that's like super elite. Yeah, that's uh, what the level. Olympic guys can do, right? And even then, it's real hard. But theoretically, you could do it, right? Um, uh, and, and and then you know, um, anyway, yeah, it's fascinating. Right, it is fascinating. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I'm going to tell you this story. Okay, right? it's just a little story. It's just a weird thing that happened to me, and I really wanted to tell you about it ahead of time because I know you'll be like, "What?" Mm. But I was like, "I want to wait for the show because it's a little okay. more fun." So, so recently we switched cable companies and switched back, and it's a long story, but whatever. We got a great deal. So you switched, so, and then you switched back. Basically, the cable company, which I'm not even going to say who it is, just because I don't want to. But uh, they, we were told by the rep mm-hmm. that the best option we had was to quit in my name. Mm-hmm. And then sign up in my wife's name right. to get that. a better deal, right? So we did that. So basically, we quit that cable company and then immediately signed back up. And like, this is so common that the installer guy finally was like, "You just quit and then re-signed up to get a better deal, right?" And I was like, "Yeah." I'm like, the, the rep told me to do that, and he was like, "Oh yeah, they do it all the time." He's like, 
He's like, it's no big deal. He's like, next time, uh-huh. if you do it this way, it'll save you time. And I was like, oh, sorry, it'd probably save you time. He was like, I don't care. He's like, this is an easy gig. He's like, I get paid either way. <laughs> He's like, this is great. He's like, I'm happy to help you. So, um, uh-huh. so anyways, uh, so we did that, right? Well, I had to ship the stuff back. So this company has a thing set up with uh, FedEx, mm-hmm. uh, which is awesome. You just take all the pieces into FedEx with a piece of paper with a yeah. bunch of scans on it. They scan the stuff. They say, you've got it all in. Here's your receipt. Hmm. And then they let you go, right? So I literally just didn't even have to package it. I That's just great. brought it in at a tub. They took it all, checked it in, and we left, right? And the installer guy wouldn't take it? They don't let the installers take it because they oh. need it back to the central office. So oh, I don't, okay. they can't have an installer go use it somewhere else. Because mm. they have to be wiped and everything, because the DVRs have memory and stuff like that. Seems like they so. can still sh- save shipping costs by shipping in bulk out of the installers located. Whatever. That's you would think. Anyway. You, yeah. But no, because when someone cancels, think about it. Uh-huh. What I was doing is not the common thing to do. Oh. Also, there's no installer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just ship it all back. So right, that's, okay. that's why. Okay. Anyways, though, um, so I walk into the FedEx store, and there's these two guys from a moving company in there talking to this old lady. Yeah. And they're trying to help. And the old lady... Uh, was having trouble understanding, but they seemed to be really helping her, so that was great. Um, but as I walk in, I notice that the one guy standing by the front, right, his shorts on, they both have shorts on and the same t-shirt, mm-hmm. um, has a tattoo on his leg, and it's brand new. Like, it still has the creamy stuff you put on it or whatever, mm-hmm. the ointment to keep it, like, you know, to make it heal. Yeah. So it was, and it clearly was all over that. So it was, it was like one day off from cellophane, like, right, you know how they wrap them sometimes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was Duffman from The Simpsons, right? Which I, I thought, right? Sure, yeah. Brand new, right? Yeah, respect. The Simpsons are still around, yeah. but they're not as popular. So, like, but I thought, okay, so this guy loves beer Duff and Man. The Simpsons. He's a big Duffman fan. Okay, the, no judgments, right? Oh, yeah. But I just kind of noted, like, yeah, that's a little different. But, okay, good for him, right? I mean, he is not afraid to, to be loud and proud about the fact that Duff he loves Duffman's a funny joke. Yeah, right? Yeah. So, uh, and it was a very good-looking tattoo. It was well done? It was, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Good. I mean, it looked like a Matt Groening type. I mean, it was, boom, it looked great, right? Well done, good. So, all right. So, I go up to the counter, do my thing, um, and not two minutes later, I turn around, and now the guy is turned uh, so that I can see his leg once again, but this time, the tattoo's all dull, and his leg is hairy again, and that tattoo's got to be five years old. Hmm. And I'm like, am I like, having a stroke? What's going on? Like... <laughs> and so I'm kind of like, I'm, you know, I'm trying to pay attention to this lady helping me, who was very nice. And I'm like, I keep glancing over this guy's leg. And then I finally look up and realize it's the other guy <laughs> with the exact same tattoo, exact same placement, huh. everything, right? So for his, looks several years old. Yeah. And I, is this some sort of cult? Like, what is. What, the like, cult of Duff Man? I mean, like. The, and, so two guys who clearly were wearing the same clothes. Well, because they were both for the same company, right? So they knew each other, right? Partners in yeah. some way yeah. in, in employment. So same location, same leg. Yeah. Did were did the guys look alike? No. I mean, I, I mean, I guess they could have been really... They were not like twins or something, no, okay, right? okay, all right, okay. And, but they both got in the same tattoo on the same location. Right. Five it, years apart, yeah, at least. And it yeah. was Duff Man. Duff Man. Yeah, which again, no judgments, but... Weird, right? Like, I was trying to, like, I try to put you and me in that situation, right? Yeah. Like, to where, like, you say, you've talked about before getting a tattoo of Frankenstein, right? Right, right. Now, let's say that, like, but that's, 
still, like, let's say there's like a standard Frankenstein, right? Uh-huh. Exact, perfect, and that's what you're going to get. You're going to yeah. get the, the, the Frankenstein, Frankenstein, right? Obviously, for the Simpsons, that's easy, right? right? So you get the Frankenstein on your arm, right? And I'm like, oh, man, Rob, I love that Frankenstein tattoo. I love it. And then five years later, I'm like, Rob, would you mind if I got the exact same tattoo in the exact same location? And you'd be like, Jason, that's weird. Right? I would, yeah, I would say yeah, that's, that's you're weird. kind of creeping me out. What's, right. Are you okay? I feel like the only time Maybe that, this podcast is over. Right, right. Maybe our friendship is over. Rob, I'm going to get your BTG face tattooed on my arm and you get mine tattooed on yours. It's going to be great. Okay, you go first. To be fair, that <laughs> would be less weird than us having the exact same tattoo in the same less, spot, right? Right. So, but I was, was thinking about that. Like, what are the reasons why that would happen? And here's all I could come up with. Okay. Um, for shared tattoos. Not that shared tattoo, but shared tattoos in uh-huh. general, right? Shared tattoos to me... Uh, I mean, blood relation, like close blood relation, like brother, sister, okay. twin. Right. Um, maybe, maybe if the guys, I don't think the guys were partners, but if they were like you know actual partners, yeah, relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Um, I could see that. Um, but really, the one that keeps coming to my mind is just you know Cult of Duffman. I mean, right? I mean, that to me seems but, like Occam's Razor says Cult of Duffman. So, so you know, think about uh, uh, people who are I don't know what the right language is, but in in military. Uh, squads together, squad, I, whatever the right yes. term would be in that case, right? Right. I mean, you, so they might get matching tattoos for for that thing that they were a part of, right? So maybe they were in the military and Duffman was their thing. Maybe there's some kind of yeah, some kind of team team Duffman thing. Well, that guy was late to the party. Well, but yeah. But then I here's so what if he can you get a tattoo freshened up? I suppose you could, yeah. Sure. So maybe he was just, he got his fresh, maybe they had the same one, and he was like, I'm going to freshen this bad boy up. Yeah, you can do that. So, yeah. yeah. Huh. So anyways, that is weird. Um, That's weird. I really wanted to talk to them. I really wanted to sneak a picture, mm-hmm. uh, but I thought they could probably take me, because there's two of them, and clearly they're brothers, like, you know, in arms of Duff Man. Yeah, <laughs> so, brothers um, and Duff. But I wanted to be like, hey. <laughs> so, so what's the story, fellas? Yeah, like, yeah. Or, um, like, I wish when I'd walked in, I'd been like, dude, that's an awesome tattoo, right? Because then later I could have been like, whoa, whoa wait, whoa, he's got the same one. That's There's a cool story there, I bet. You know, uh-huh. like, it, it, but then they might have been like, we can't tell you. We're going to follow you and, and kill you because of our cult. Well, they probably would have said, well, if you'd like to know more, we'd be happy to invite you to this meeting yeah. at this location. But first you're going to need this tattoo. Well, I think I think you, you can come to visit first for free right. you know because because they got to tell you about the about the glory and goodness of duff man right yeah yeah. you yeah. know so and and the brothers of duff yeah yeah maybe their last name was duff oh maybe yeah maybe the brothers are cousins or something and their last name is duff that actually seems like probably the simplest answer it could be yeah it could be the last name could even be duffy and they go by duff. duffy right mm-hmm. yeah the Stranger Things guys, yeah, or the, the Duffer brother. brothers, Duffer brothers. That's yeah. What it is. So yeah, so I think I think we figured it out, Jason. That I feel a lot better about this conversation because yeah. I was worried in Kalamazoo and Portage there was a cult of Duffman running around. There still could be, um, you know, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I had a, a odd experience at the gas station myself this morning. I stopped to get a Red Bull this morning, and a guy in front of, in line in front of me it was about seven thirty in the morning. Mm-hmm. Okay, a guy in line in front of me. Uh, it, it usually it, at the gas station you see people getting the sodas, you see people, you know, buying a pack of cigarettes, buying their scratchers in the morning, all kinds of that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. This guy, chili cheese dog. Whoa, that's commitment to yeah, right? Poor eating. I was like, 
good on you, buddy. Not not wouldn't have been my choice. Wouldn't have been my right. choice, but 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 all right, man. I support that. Maybe he's a third shifter and he's on his way home or something. It could be. I don't know. Then we walk out, throws it in the garbage, and keeps on walking. Did he take any bites out of it? Just paid for it. Said thanks a lot to the people behind the counter. Chatted, you know. Oh yeah, okay, it's gonna be a good day. As he's walking out, slides it right in the garbage can. Walks back to his car. So I, all I can think of is there was a lot of chili and cheese on that chili cheese dog. Uh huh. So my only thought is that he put too much on there and was like, dang, now I have to buy it. But I'm not gonna eat all this. That's all I can guess. But he didn't look like he ate any of it. He didn't eat any of it. Weird. Something is something is afoot in Kalamazoo. <laughs> <laughs> Did he have a Duffman tattoo at his leg? Did you check? I didn't look. I didn't. I I wish I'd known. I wish Next I'd time you see something odd, I would check for that. Well, remember, it was maybe a year ago when I stopped at the gas station on my way to your place, and the guy got bought a get big gulp, took one sip, and threw it against the curb. <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah. that. But at least he tasted it first. Right. Yeah. I don't. Man. Weirdness. Yeah. So games. Let's talk about games. So we got a question. Uh, we got a question from uh, I forgot the name because it's not a real name. It's his. We got a question up our Discord account, uh, which is a great place. Uh, you can go to our website, look up Discord. We got a question. I was going to say Spaceman. He says he abducted me, but from Space Nut. Space Nut. Space Nut. I don't know what your actual name is because your picture is too small. You look familiar, um, but Space Nut. Uh, he said, so I'm going to paraphrase here, because uh, I'm not a fan of reading in general, um, even though it's fundamental. Um, so what I'm wondering is, this is what I'm wondering. I am wondering, uh, what about this? Well, actually, Space Nut was wondering. I don't say what I'm wondering, but Space Nut was wondering, do you ever design a game as a designer that you know as you're thinking through the process, uh, this is never going to get published? Mm-hmm. Um, and I should caveat that to say, not that you're pitching for the show, right? Because that's a little unfair, right? Sure. Because yeah. obviously, obviously, a large percentage, well over half of our pitches, we know will never see the light of day, even as a prototype. Yeah. Um, because, because frankly, it's just not you know it's just not mm-hmm. you know that's not doable. First of all, and yeah. some of our ideas are just bad, and we have to have a lot of pitches for the show. And so for us, a lot of times, it's fun to just pitch something kind of crazy uh, to throw the idea out there, right? And sometimes it turns into something else, but a lot of times it's, it's a throwaway. Yeah, so. sure. Um, yeah, well, yeah, so I mean, I, I do that fairly reasonably, or fairly fairly often, and I would say put that in the context of stuff that I think, because you know I like to put up at least one thing on GameCraft every year, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I typically do that with the, the thought being, I'm not going to show this to a publisher, but I like... I like to have a project and start a project and, and complete a project and see something through to completion, right? Mm-hmm. I like doing that, and that that's that's fun to me. So, um, with that saying, you know, I guess GameCrafter is a form of publishing, but I don't really expect to make any money off it. Right, and I, I do think he's talking about like, like pitching to yeah. real publishers. Yeah. yeah, that's that's my thought. So yeah, so I do that actually fairly often. Most of what I work on uh, is something that I that I'm doing for fun because I like the idea, I like the theme, or because I'm trying to get my head around how a mechanic works mm-hmm. or even see if a mechanic works. You know, right. I, I've probably got three or four different things I'm working on right now. The only one that I think a publisher might be interested in is is working on Red Planet. Right. 
you know, but I've got several other projects that I'm kind of poking at here and there that, that I'm really just doing for my own satisfaction. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know about you. So, so I, I'm a little different. I kind of, uh, because I'm very excitable when it comes to ideas, Mm -hmm. um, and we both know that about me. Yeah. Um, I never have an idea that I immediately say this would never get published. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I instead say, could, could this get published? And I start working on it, right? And generally, after a couple of days, I can say to myself, no, this couldn't get published. Mm-hmm. I tend to lose steam when that's the case, simply because I have limited time, right? And uh, I, don't have, I don't have interest in putting stuff on my game crafter, simply because I can't do the artwork. Mm-hmm. I'd have to pay for the artwork, I'd have to do a lot of things that I don't really want to do to not get a return, right? So for me, it's a lot more about like, what can I make that's gonna get published, right? Or mm-hmm. at least that I could show a publisher and they might be interested, sure. right? So that's, um, you know, that for me is the big thing. Um, that said, there are some times when I run through ideas and scenarios uh, that I think might uh, might never see the light of day. And one thing I'll say that I've never done and I don't plan on ever doing is, you know, uh, on and off I've been working with some other designers <clears throat> on some ideas and I would yeah. never co-design something with someone that I didn't think wasn't published. Sure, yeah. Simply because... You don't um, waste someone else's time. Right, right. And you want to make sure you have the same vision for that. Right, right, yeah. Right, right. so... Same and I'm working on a project now where, you know, we are working very much, very closely to stay with the same vision, but, you know, I think we both have the understanding that the goal is to get this published mm-hmm. because we're investing a lot of time working together in it. And that's the other thing is with a with a solo design, you, you can work on it whatever you feel like. You know, yeah. you got 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. Um... So that is, uh, I think that that makes a big difference. Sure. Um, but let's think about this a little further because the discussion obviously can't end there. This would be a really short episode, and that was boring. So uh, I'm sure it was very insightful to the builders. But um, so what are? I think you mentioned some, but I'll let you reiterate. Uh-huh. What What are the biggest benefits you see to purposely working through an idea? We'll say to a prototype stage, mm-hmm. right? that you believe no one will ever publish. And I would say to doing a few playtests, right? Yeah. So uh, for me right now, um, a perfect example of that is uh, is one that I'm working on that I'm calling Fruit Storm right now. I, I haven't even mentioned this to you. No, this is news no. to me. So uh, I was, I, I had tweeted uh, saying, hey, I need, I need a, I don't, I don't know what theme I'm going to put in this game. I just need some kind of a, some kind of a stupid code word to uh to, to right. for me to I do that this. sometimes too where yeah. you need something to Just, call it in the Google Doc. Right, yeah. And so so I tweeted saying, hey people I need I need a code word. And uh and I ended up going with, with overpass because that was I think Len suggested that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but uh but uh my cousin on Twitter suggested banana king. Like a banana hurricane. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was like, that's not I'm not gonna do that because it was like two days later and I already I'd already picked overpass, but I was like, that's really funny. I want to make a game about a hurricane of bananas, um, and uh, and so and I started thinking, well, what are some other puns like that? Like, oh, uh, like I could do a guac slide, like a, a mudslide of guacamole. Yes, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, a- anyway, so I started, and so I th- I was thinking, yeah, that's kind of funny. Uh, and there's a mechanic in that in that latest version of um, uh, Soda Kings that we mm-hmm. were talking about that I was still kind of fuzzy. Uh, not really sure if it was if it was really worth doing. If it was worth putting in, it was, it was one of the things. That it was the original idea for 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 what grew into the latest iteration of Soda Kings. But as I started filling that out after our conversation, I started to feel like, 
you know what? Maybe this original idea here is isn't even worth doing. Maybe that's just to you know to detract from the rest of what I want to do. And 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 I kept thinking about that, and thinking, but I really I like that idea in concept. So so I stopped on Soda Kings because I feel like I need to know one way or another if that's worth putting energy into. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I stopped working on Soda Kings again. Surprise, <laughs> and uh, and and I went back to to this core idea and said let me just see what I can do if I can put a theme onto it then that'll be that'll be fun it, it helps right it helps having a theme just helps with prototyping um, and and so I put that together and so I, and I'm calling it fruit storm but that's one of those things where I don't expect any publisher to ever be interested in it but but if I get it to a point where it's fun I might as well finish it and put it up on gamecraft right right so it's it's an effort to explore and understand a mechanic and and figure out if it's meaningful or not or right or um, you know, if, if an entire game is based around the mechanic, that's the whole thing. Well, that's one thing. But if 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 I want, maybe I can achieve the same. Once I understand how it works, maybe I can, I can achieve the same result in another way in another game where it's not the focus, where it's only one small piece. You right. know. Um, it, it, so anyway, um, that's kind of my approach to that right now. Um, and, and, I, and I will say, uh, on a side note, there are things that I've put on Game Crafter that I didn't expect a publisher to want. Um, most most pointedly is uh, um, Eight Arms to Hold You. Right. You know, I, I worked on that because it was a fun project. Uh, Matt reached out saying, "Hey, I you know I I love I want an excuse to do this art, so let me help you with that." So that was great. Uh, and and uh, and I did that not thinking a publisher would want it. I mean, always planning to have it in my back pocket when I met with a publisher. Right. You know, to say, "Hey, if you're interested, I've got this other thing," but it was never going to be my lead my lead pitch product right you know uh and coincidentally though it turned out that i met a publisher who was interested in what i had right. in my back pocket so so there's a there's a um something you don't expect sure is a benefit right yeah is that maybe the mechanics are good enough that you show it to the publisher as a one-off like oh hey since we're sitting here and you didn't like this other thing hey let me show you this one thing yeah. you won't like and then they're like oh i like that oh yeah. i could retheme that and do x y and z with it right yeah that is uh, is useful as well. Um, I think the big thing, though, is the idea that you're kind of practicing, right? You're testing yeah. mechanic, but you're also practicing the craft, right? Mm -hmm. of, you know, think of it as a dry run, right? Of Absolutely. Kind of this for Soda Kings, right? You're using some of the same core mechanics to see if those work mm -hmm. or something else. Um, you know, I uh, I certainly have done that. I think I do it less than you do, um, but I've I have done that with games where I think. I want to just explore this mechanic and see if it's any good or challenge myself. Could I make something good out of X, mm -hmm. Y, and Z, put them together? Um, so I think kind of stretching those muscles is probably the single best thing you're going to get out of it. Yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, we like designing games. It's fun, mm -hmm. right? There's a lot of work, but it is fun. And, you know, I like the thought experiment of, you know, I know that I've thrown out ideas to myself that I didn't plan on prototyping. Sure. That turned out like, oh, wait, no, that's a good idea. Because I happen to think that through and joined it with something else, I can make a prototype that's pretty good, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that came out of nowhere. Um, so the, the other thing to think about is what are the big drawbacks to doing that? Mm -hmm. um, and the first thing that pops in my head is, is the obvious one, which is we only have so much time to, de to design sure. games, right? Yeah. And we only have so much time between conventions when we're trying to pitch. Yeah. So because of that, um, spending too much time on a game... Uh, that you know no one's going to want. Mm -hmm. um, it's 
you know, putting that time into that game instead of, say, say you needed Soda Kings to pitch and instead you made Fruit Storm and you couldn't directly translate that, right? Yeah. Yeah, that would be bad, right? If you now have nothing to pitch because of that, right? right. But I think that kind of goes along with the same thing of having a game for too long that you're not sure what to do with and um, I mean, just hammering at it because you're not, you know what I mean? That's, it's the same sort of zone, right? Yeah. Of, Right. Uh, of of time not necessarily as well spent as it could be. It's not time wasted, I don't think. Um, it's just uh, it's supply and demand, right? With time. <laughs> yeah, and it's that's that's a an artifact, a luxury, a a a feature of of our approach to this. Where where I I don't want to speak for you, right? I still very much see this as a hobby. And, right. and and public getting games published is paying for the hobby for me, right? This is right. not my full time job, and right. I don't expect it ever will be. So I can afford I can afford to be casual about it <laughs> and stop and you know spend spend the next three or four weeks of my of my creative time focused on Fruitstorm that I don't think is actually going to do anything, right? Right. And, and if I, I will consider it a, a great success if it's fun and if I get it on Game Crafter right. within the next six months, I'll consider that a huge win for me, right? Uh, whereas someone like like John Gilmore, for example, who this is his right. full time gig, you know, he needs all of his stuff. To, uh, all, it maybe not all, but he he should if he's planning his business and his time well, right. all of his time should be productive time. Right, you know? and he purposely plans to publish X games a year. Yeah, I mean, right. He's told me numbers before. I need to publish this many games a year to to feed my family and yeah, to have money, sure. and and that's you know that is what it is. And, right. Um, you know, and that's uh, hearings. I mean, he even has Ian Moss, who you know, like, which is somebody whose whole job, I believe, is other than playtesting. And I know they design together too, but he has a big job of keeping John organized and on task to mm-hmm. make sure that his time is productive. They have a Kanban board he showed where to keep oh, really? them organized because he has like forty design projects going at any given wow. time, right? Because John loves to co-design, so sure. I mean, He'll have three or four co-designs with one person who he's worked with consistently. I mm-hmm. mean, um, if he doesn't keep those organized, it's easy to lose those. I mean, think of how often we like forget about a game we're working on oh, because yeah. we do something else, you know. Yeah. But he's got to do that to pay for everything, right? Sure. <laughs> so, sure. so yes, that I think that you don't really have time for those thought experiments. Yeah. Um, or he probably spent more time doing those before. Sure, before he know, got his legs his, under him. Yeah. Or his house dependent on it. Right. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so. Uh, which would that would actually be something interesting to talk about sometime uh, to talk about we should do that we should get Ian on the show sometime to talk about what it takes to keep a game designer <laughs> yeah. productive and focused because yeah. Lord knows we're not an easy bunch to do that with right yeah, I mean right. Like, <laughs> we should have our wives yeah. interview him right <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyways yeah uh, so that's the those are the big negatives right is this the time time spent could be sunk something else sure but, I mean, personally, I don't know, from the talking we have, I feel like the positives kind of outweigh the negatives. I think they're pretty evident. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is fun, and that's another way to have fun, right? Right. And, yeah, um, and that's that's good. And, yeah, I think it's a way to learn things. It's uh, it's a way to get greater understanding. It's sort of doing R&D in a way. That is is a really good... um, uh, That is a really good way to put that. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. All right. Um, so yeah. So let's. Uh, yeah. Pitch wise, you had an idea you wanted to chew yeah, on. Yeah. So this bit. this was actually an idea I've had recently that I've been thinking through. I haven't like made zero notes on it. Okay. Um, but I've been thinking through it, and I, I think I can give a partial pitch here, and we can kind of talk through 
But the reason that I haven't is because I'm slammed trying to get things ready for um, for Gen Con, but also it looks like I'm going to be at Origins now for at least a couple days, uh-huh. um, possibly with my family, um, so that I can uh, hopefully do playtesting on one of the co-designs I'm working on uh, with someone, which I'm not saying what it is only because I know they wouldn't care, but because they'd like to have them on the show to talk about it when we talk yeah. about it. So, um, so yeah, so I'll wait to do that, and maybe we'll pitch it together. Maybe we'll even do that at Origins. Um, but it's a it's a it's a super fun game uh, on paper at least right now. Uh, <laughs> it's very different than anything I've worked on before, and I'm stoked about it. Um, so uh, so this this idea I had that I haven't really put a lot of time into, but I don't remember what even made me think of this. Uh, I was but I was thinking about the idea of a mechanic where when I do something for me, it also does something for you, right? Not necessarily good or bad, but it Mm -hmm. does something for you, right? Okay, so, and you're familiar with that, like uh, Between Two Cities is a good game where it does that, where I I do things for me that are good and it helps you next to me, partially, right? Uh So, so uh, That's the best part of uh, Warehouse 51, right? Yes! I'm gonna buy this thing and you're gonna get paid for it. You're gonna get paid a bunch of money for it, and you're gonna be excited about that. Right. Um, yeah, oh, I love that game. It's um, so good. We dude. need to play that game again. That game yeah, is it's super great. Fun. It's great. Um, okay, so here's the idea I have, and I this maybe would be like a dexterity-ish type game. Okay. Like, when I say that a game with physical components that could things could happen with, but aren't necessarily your dexterity of doing it. Hmm. So that I know. So here's here's the idea, right? So think about hot air balloons, and I was thinking about if we have this like. A joined thing, which I'll describe in a minute, but just to give you the initial idea, uh, where we each had three three balloons, right? I've got a so so. Actually, I'll describe it. Picture um, picture like a uh, a a big square thing, right? Big square thing. Okay, yeah. On the table, flat. Square, um, square flat. Built up a little bit, so it's a little thick. Say it's say it's about an inch tall, right? Okay. I have a big bar in front of me. You have one in front of uh, you know. All four players have one, and they're all interconnected, right? Okay. That makes sense. Okay. So, so there's there's a square, basically a square wall or yeah. foundation or something. Right. Okay. So, um, and we each have one of those walls facing us. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And somehow they are connected loosely, right? As if they were chained together, say, but not like glued. Okay. So, so if me moving mine would also move yours, right? Okay. Here's where the balloons come in. Okay. The idea is that. I have a hot air balloon in the center of mine, as do each of you, but we also have one on the adjoining corners, okay? Does that make sense so far? All right. So, and I picture this being like little, like, almost like King of Tokyo style standees that are shaped like a balloon, okay? All right. Um, The reason being, they would be color-coded to affect what happens in the game, right? In addition to that, I have meeples that are standing three meeples that are standing on my thing, right? Okay. Now, I picture that the terrain of, of, the, of those wood things is in such a way that some of the meeples would be more firmly planted than others. Maybe it's like a divot down in certain spots. So the center one, say, is most entrenched, mm-hmm. and the outer ones are less entrenched. Does that, you follow that? So instead okay. of it just being a flat surface and they're standing on top, maybe there's like a little thing and they're scooched down in a little bit. Okay. So they're in the divot. So... If you were to tilt it, tilt the wood, or mm-hmm. lean it, they would be less or more likely to fall off. Okay. Does that make sense? All right. So the way the game is played is that I, um, I've got cards that affect the height of the, the, 
that it, like basically I'm injecting fire or hot air into these balloons, right? Okay. So the color coding of the balloons would be in such that I think we would each have a primary color or pattern, say, and then the outside ones would be a shared pattern of, so say that I had red and you had yellow and you were sitting to my right. So the center of mine is red, the center of yours is yellow. Mm -hmm. It would be red and yellow striped on the one that we shared. Okay. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. Then we would have um, little, this is, this is where I have no idea how to build this. We would have like little sliding pegs for underneath that would be a little bit of a ramp and then a flat spot and a little bit of a ramp and a flat spot. And there'd be say four positions in that, right? So when I play a card mm -hmm. that, that influences hot air, um, say it goes up standard, it would go up two steps, right? So I play it on red in front of me, right? Uh, so just my red one goes up. Or I would use that, say I played a, um, say I played one that, uh, say I, so basically I could choose anything that had red in it, we'll say, right? Again, this is a loose idea. So let's say I do it on red and yellow in the corner, right? By amping that up, that's now tilting both of ours higher, mm -hmm. right? And we're, so what we're all trying to do is we're all trying to raise our thing up, um, keeping it as level as possible while trying to make yours be less level, therefore making your meeples fall off. Hmm. And once someone's meeples have all fallen off, the game ends and somehow people score points. Um, hmm. So I, what I like about it is I like the interconnectivity of the dexterity of like sliding things. And I guess there is some dexterity because I'm trying to slide in the pegs mm -hmm. to bump it up. Right. Um, Hmm. Kind of they're like little wedges. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so that's what I have for the game. So right, you'd be able to add air and reduce air, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe you would have like cards like a dart card, right? Like I'm going to play a dart card over to you and I put it in front of that one balloon and that balloon is now losing one per turn. But you can play a patch to fix it, right? Uh, that sort of thing, right? So... Um, uh, or I'm just playing a hot air card that's putting hot air into these mm -hmm. two balloons. And I, I think the simplest thing to say would be whenever you do something to a one balloon, it affects, it half affects the adjacent balloons, right? Where I pick one, right? So if I do it to my center balloon, then I get to choose either the balloon on the left or right to take a half step, right? Mm -hmm. So if I took a full step, that takes a half step. And the idea is you're, you're trying to manage your flatness while you're screwing everyone else's over. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Hmm. So, but see, that's a game where I don't know how you would publish that. So in a way, um, thinking about best treehouse ever. So in a way, if you're if you're building, if it, it could be as if you're playing best treehouse and you keep building on one side of your tree, mm -hmm. and that makes your tree lean one way. It's as if that your tree is tied to your neighbor's trees, and it's also pulling their tree that way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah pulling or pushing their, right. their tree in one direction. And now there's a simpler way to do this that doesn't involve the actual dexterity, that just right. involves math, right? Right. To say, like, you just, I've got the thing in front of me, um, you know, we have our four things, right? Uh, and they're just flat pieces of paper, mm -hmm. and we are angling them upwards would be inwards, right? So we are mm -hmm. angling them in a way that when it hits a certain angle, then your meeples fall. I like the dexterity version of it simply because there's that... Can I get it to go without mm -hmm. him tipping, or yeah. does he fall and slide into the next guy? And what you know what I mean? So, but how do you orchestrate that? That's, right. Yeah. And you, and the balloons are frankly just in the way. 
uh, but you kind of need them for the, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, and they would look cool. Right. You can also do that thing, though, where, you know, where the, um, if you get one side up too high, then the middle doesn't really matter because it's already lifted up by either side, right? Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. 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 So if that were the case, then maybe you need it to be jointed in the middle as well so that the middle can sag, right? Mm-hmm. That's actually a great point. So instead it would be eight sections instead of four sections, right. which actually makes the game a little more in-depth, I feel like, movable and stuff. So mm. I'm just trying to think about how to do that mechanically and how to do that in a way that is producible, you know? Like with, um, I, you'd have to do like custom wooden or plastic components, right? Yeah, yeah. That's you know, and making that. Hmm. I mean, it could be if you did custom wooden components. One way to do it would be like old trains, where you know you just got the circle on one and the loop on the other, and you just yeah. In fact, to prototype that, it could be as easy as getting door hooks, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. like getting. Um, just like hanging hooks and just twisting them in a way so that they hook together mm-hmm. so that they're loosely hooked but not you know right yeah I mean there are ways you could you could make one to prototype it with right um, but turning that into something that's mass producible that's an interesting challenge to, to keep that in mind so I mean I wonder if that's just something that you would make just for the fun of making it right right yeah to go back to our topic I mean right right so that's something I'm struggling with because I feel like that could be really fun. Um, yeah. But I also feel like, you know, would it just be, like, would it be boring after the first play? You know? Um, I don't know. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Hmm. Um, I mean, so one thing is it could be, you could be Daredevils, right? Uh, and so let's say that I, instead of, let's say I made it out of wood, right? The easiest way to make it out of wood to make sure it was fair across the board would be simply to take three pieces of wood and press them together, right? Like, so each strip, like, whether that's eight sections, so each section is three pieces of wood of two different heights. So the outside ones are, say, an inch tall, and the inside ones are three quarters of an inch tall, right? So when you glue it, you've got a a quarter-inch trough across each section, Mm -hmm. and you score points at the end of every turn for how many guys you have left, but you also score points for how they're standing, so if they're standing leg to leg over the trough, they're worth two points. But if they're standing in the trough, they're worth one point, right? Hmm. And if they fall off, then they're worth zero points. And maybe at the end of the maybe you only you lose points if they fall off. And at the end of the game, they're worth X points just for keeping them on, right? There could be your um, that sounds actually pretty doable. I mean, this is something I could prototype. Thinking about it that way, I have the tools at home where I could totally prototype that game. Mm-hmm. Whether or not I actually want to, I, I don't know, um, but but I could. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Yeah. So, anyways, I'm not sure. And maybe there would be ways to. Uh, maybe there would be more dangerous spots you could put them in to uh, make it even harder for them. You know what I mean? Like make yeah. it even more unsafe, and they could earn more points with that. So, so yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at. Okay. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. Um, I mean, let's say that was producible. Does that sound like it could be fun? I man, I don't know. I I mean, maybe if Jenga is fun, then that could be fun, right? Right. Um, You should have a little more strategy than that. Yeah. Um, The big key would be figuring out how to bump up the um, the 
pieces. Right. But I think you'd also have to try and do some, you might have to do some custom made meeples because meeples are pretty stable. They're pretty stable. They have a nice broad, flat base considering their size and their mm-hmm. weight, you know? So it might almost be the kind of thing where rather than doing meeples, what if you, you drill little little round divots and you put marbles on it? So, and depending on the depth of that divot is is how how controls how likely the marbles are to roll out, or or even just, instead of marbles, maybe just a cylinder, right? A cylinder that fits in a, a little slot or trough or something, and the depth or the width of that trough will tell you how easy it is for that cylinder to roll out. The nice thing about a cylinder would be that you could have three positions. You could have sideways, which is rolly cylinder, right? Yeah, which is very unstable, right? Um, you could have um, standing up tall, which is a little more stable, and then you could have in the trough, which is yeah. even more stable. Right. So that would be a nice thing about a cylinder mm-hmm. um, is that the stability you could very be very could be very very variable. Right. Right. <laughs> That's, okay. So I don't know. I think that could actually be a fun little game. Yeah, it could be. So, um, and you know, there are manufacturers that do like. They they like making wood wooden games, you know, games right. with all wooden pieces and right. stuff, right? The the big catch would be how to get the the wedges to work. Yeah, like right. that's the thing that I'm still struggling with how you would that would work. And you might you might just not even have to do you might you might not be able to able to do wedges. You might just have to say here's a you know here's a little wooden disc and you have to with your fingers lift that thing up and put the disc under it and set it back down. I mean, that might be the only way to do it. I mean, that creates a different dynamic than I was going for, but right. it still is, right? The idea that now the lifting and the gen- the dexterity actually right. matters more, right? To slide it in, I don't know, that might be worth trying just for the heck of it. Yeah. And the discs could be different heights then. So it could be plus one, plus two, based on how much I had put in or sure. let out, right? And you can then stack multiple discs up on top of, of each course, other. Of course, yeah, yeah. As long as they're the same diameter. Yeah. Hmm. And maybe you could also score points for the height of your balloon, too. Like, that would be another thing, right? Like, um, well, so here's an idea. Say you went back to meeples. You could not score points on the meeples, only lose points on the meeples, but score points on the height of your balloon each round, right? Mm -hmm. Score points for being the top balloon, but also score points for your adjacent ones, the shared ones, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and then in addition to that, score points for... um, you know, kind of the order that they're in. Like, if they're at a certain level, you get points, and you get bonus points for being the highest balloon. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I might mess around with that just because, just as a funny little thing, because it's something I can play with my kids and stuff. So, sure. So yeah. So we're out of time. Yes. Okay. Cool. We're out of time. So thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we got to wrap up quick here. Seven Seven Hotel BTG Building a Podcast Gmail at Poorly Underscore Design at J A Slingerlin at por- uh, Podcast BTG, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Good night. Bye. Building the Game is a co-production of Imminent Entertainment and Poorly Designed Studios. All of the ideas presented by Rob and Jason are property of the Building the Game podcast.